Although in the beginning of Parshas B'Shalach, the Bnei Israel witness open miracles as they watch Hashem wipe out the Egyptians in the scene of Kriyas Yamsuf, the very end of Parshas B'Shalach, the Bnei Israel proceed to engage in their very first natural war against the nation of Amalek, a hands-on combat. We know that Moshe Rabbeinu commands Yehoshua ben Nun to recruit and draft the soldiers for the war effort, and ultimately, as long as Moshe Rabbeinu's hands were raised upward, we know that the Bnei Israel were able to win the war. The Chumash tells us that Yehoshua fended off Amalek, at least weakened him for the time being. And that is the story of this very first war, the basis for the tradition which the Chumash states that one day Amalek's memory will be entirely erased from the face of this earth from under the heavens. Now, this may sound like a silly question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Who was Yehoshua ben Nun? Now, you might say, yes, that is silly, because we all know that Yehoshua ben Nun was the greatest disciple of Moshe Rabbeinu. In fact, he was the successor of Moshe Rabbeinu. He has a couple of famous stories in the Torah. For example, when he and Kalev overcome the council of the Meraglim. So, you might think it's obvious who Yehoshua was. But from this point in the Torah... It's not so obvious. In fact, this is the very first mention in the Torah of Yeshua ben Nun, and he's given no background, no backstory, no origin, no ceremonious introduction. The Chumash just says, Vayomer Moshe el Yehoshua, Bachar lanu anashem. And Moshe says to Yeshua, go choose for us some men for the war. And it makes you wonder, at what point did Yehoshua become the go-to guy for Moshe Rabbeinu? And why doesn't the Chumash give us any more of a backstory than that? How was how Yeshua the chosen one? Right, for, from so many different individual members of the Bnei Israel, so many esteemed members, whether someone like Kalev or maybe someone from Aaron's family like Pinchas or, or Korach, there's so many different choices. How, how did Yeshua become the one, and why doesn't the Chumash tell us anything more than that? Now, the other question I want to address might also be a silly question, but I'm also going to ask it anyway. Who exactly was Amalek? Now you'll say, Hey, come on. Amalek is the root of all evil. He is the biggest thorn in the side of the Bnei Israel. He's the most evil nation, a descendant from Esau. And I might say, yeah, okay, we, we, we know this maybe from Hasidic tradition that Amalek is the root of all evil. But from the Chumash, this is just, you know, the, the, the first war we see. And there are a bunch of nations that will eventually do war against the Bnei Israel. The question is, what made Amalek different? What made Amalek worse? What made Amalek the worst? the root of all evil? And I think the answer to these two questions are both very important, and they will explain for us two very important things. Of course, why Amalek was the absolute worst, and why it took Yehoshua to fend him off. You see, when it comes to Yehoshua, you're right, the Chumash doesn't give us much of an introduction. The very first thing it tells us about Yehoshua is that, Vayomer Moshe Yehoshua, and Moshe said to Yehoshua. And perhaps that's all we really need to know about Yehoshua. You see, that was Yehoshua's essence. Yehoshua's essence was listening to what it was that Moshe told him. Yes, there may have been many esteemed members of the Bnei Israel, and perhaps it didn't happen overnight that Yehoshua became Moshe Rabbeinu's right-hand man. Probably did not happen overnight. But what apparently was true was that even by that time, Yehoshua was drinking thirstily from the Torah of his master and his teacher. He was the one who made himself he made it his business to be next to, you, to Moshe, to hear what it was that Moshe needed, to be able to anticipate Moshe's needs, and to be there to serve his master. 
And that's why when we see Yoshua, all we really see from Yoshua is him fulfilling this exact mission. The first time we hear his name is Vayomer Moshe El Yoshua. The second time we hear his name, Vayas Yoshua Kasher Marlo Moshe. And Yoshua did exactly as Moshe Rabbeinu told him. It's for this reason also that we see that even in the time of the Cheta Egil, when everyone was isolated from Moshe Rabbeinu, no one could be near him. If they wanted, they could. And the Chumash tells us there was one man who did stay near Moshe. That Lo Yamush, that Lo Yamish Moshe, Yoshua did not leave the side. He did not leave the tent of Moshe Rabbeinu. And in fact, when Yoshua ultimately succeeds Moshe Rabbeinu, the Navi tells us that Hashem uses the same word, the same root word, to tell us that Yoshua should not remove the Torah's Moshe from his mouth. Lo Yamish, Lo Yamush, the Torah should not be removed from your mouth. So this is who Yehoshua was. Now, we see that Yehoshua's essence is not just being the student of Moshe, but apparently it's the antagonist of Amalek. The Chumash tells us, that Yehoshua will do war with Amalek. And he's going to weaken Amalek. And it is specifically in the ears of Yehoshua that Hashem says that this tradition will be held. It should be told into the ears of Yehoshua that the memory of Amalek will forever be erased. So what makes Yehoshua the ultimate counterattack to Amalek? And for this, we have to understand who Amalek was. And the essence of Amalek, what made Amalek worse than everyone else? The Midrash says, the fact that Amalek was the first was what made him worst. Indeed, we've all heard, first is the worst. And in this case, that is true. Because when all of the nations were afraid of what they saw, they all witnessed or heard of the miracles that took place in Egypt, that Hashem was on the side of the Bnei Israel. they all should have backed up, they all should have backed down, and they all should have realized and recognized that Hashem is the one that you will not be able to defeat the unparalleled creator of the world. And yet, in Amalek, we find the essence described in, in Parsha Zachor, the lo Elohim, and he did not fear God. We already explained in two weeks ago's Parsha, in Parsha Zavaira, what, what does it take to not fear God? Right, we spoke about the two classes of subjects of Paro. There were those who feared the word of God and they brought their animals inside to avoid the barad, and there were those who simply did not take to heart the word of God. There is no in-between. If you don't fear God, it's because you're not taking to heart what's being told right in front of your face, what you're seeing in front of your face. You're not taking to heart all the rational reasons why you should fear God. It's because you have cynicism, because you have skepticism, because you have complacency, because you approach it with levity. And that was who Amalek was. You see, you think to be a scholar, to be a good student, it means to come up with all the challenging questions, right? Ask questions so that you can sharpen your understanding. And yes, to an extent, this is definitely true. You want to find the truth. Sometimes you need to answer all the relevant questions. But sometimes there is a level at which skepticism can know no bounds where you just ask questions for the sake of questions. You just, ask, you just ask for the sake of casting doubt. And indeed, we know the Lubavitcher Rebbe observed famously that Amalek is the same numerical value as Suffolk. And why? It's because he wasn't looking for the truth in his skepticism, but he was just looking to cloud the truth, to make things obscure, to ask questions where there are obvious answers. 
And that is the problem with Amalek. What does it take to overcome such an ideology? Asking just for the sake of you know, being the devil's advocate and not just playing devil's advocate. How do you overcome that? You overcome that by being the ultimate scholar, the ultimate disciple, the ultimate student of the Messorah, by being a Yehoshua. The essence of Yehoshua, as we said, is being the ultimate disciple. Perhaps he asked questions. Perhaps he tried to sharpen his understanding. But the essence of Yehoshua is listening thirstily to the words of his master and then doing exactly as he's told because he trusts in his master, who is the Talmud Chacham, who understands, who sees the truth in front of him. And when there are for sure absolutely no questions, when the order was clear, that's exactly what Yehoshua did. He fulfilled that order. On the other hand, you have the Sammalek, the one who doesn't fear God, the one who uses underhanded tactics and attacks the, the weakest, because he might fear man, but he doesn't fear God. There is, in fact, a point where scholarship ends and skepticism just goes haywire. And at the end of the day, we accomplish nothing by folding our arms and shaking our heads at the tradition when we have questions. We accomplish nothing when we demand evidence without even searching for the truth, turning a blind eye to the truth that's in front of our eyes. We accomplish and counteract the Amalek ideology by being intellectually honest and modest scholars, thirstily studying the truth of the tradition, faithfully carrying on with the charges the Torah commands it. And in a situation where we run out of obvious answers, we humbly look to the heavens as the Bnei Israel did in this war. So the truth is we don't know everything, but we do know that divine intervention is the basis of the Bnei Israel's survival and success. It is the unchanging tradition, and it is our job to be the ultimate students of that tradition.